Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. The Three Down Greencast is brought to you by the Pile of Bones Brewing Company, Regina's only downtown brewery. But it's, 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 it's easy to, to, to talk about. It's easy to sum it up when you just talk about practice. We sitting here, I'm supposed to be the franchise player, and we're in here talking about practice. I mean, it, listen, we're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. Ah, uh, yes, the brave and smart <laughs> words of the answer, Allen Iverson, as we will, in fact, today. Talk about practice. In a little bit, as we usually do, we will mumble on a little bit first, but there was the news that broke today, as usual, recording on a Tuesday night, and um, Chris Jones had a few choice words for his team at practice this afternoon, uh, halting the affair, and Bert Labatt with some interesting comments to reporters as well after, so we're certainly going to get into that a little bit as... uh, there is a distinct possibility, though, that this podcast could be interrupted in the middle of it because, well, we haven't really been practicing either. No, no, we certainly have never really practiced. And, hey, I mean, I find it extra fitting because we're not talking about the game. We're talking about practice because there is no game to talk about. So it's just the words of Alan Iverson. It's like a prophecy come true for our little podcast on 3downnation.com. Yes, and uh, we, we've been pretty lucky so far, actually, for the most part. You know, I remember Josh Smith and the guys, they would always seem to have Cat News break after they recorded the show. And I know yes. a few other podcasts have had that happen to them as well. We've been pretty lucky so far where stuff tends to happen on the day where we record so far. Now, because I've said that, that probably means next Wednesday the writers are going to do something crazy and we're going to miss it for a whole week, but... Yeah, I guess that's just the world of podcasting and you have to live with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks, Joel. Like, way to completely, completely and utterly curse us because you know that, like, if the writers were to go in a different direction with anything, that they're going to go ahead and now announce it on a Wednesday, probably just because Ryan Pollock, I'm sure, will has certainly listened to this podcast, as I'm positive he has, the director of media for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and he'll do it just to spite us. Yeah, I'm not so sure he actually wastes his time listening to us. We don't really add anything of interest to the conversation no no or no or nor do i think he'd try to spite us in any way i think you know we all you know pretty good terms it's good guy you know yeah sure well we'll go with that <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh, as we always do to open the show john uh, i hope you're back from your one week hiatus from uh drinking as i hope maybe you've sobered up enough now that maybe you can stomach a beer this week what's in the glass oh i am definitely back to stomaching beers it started last night went out for a work dinner and had uh black bridges uno ipa so tasty into my face i had to pick some up uh on the way home from work today and that is what i'm drinking tonight so yes very much if you're an ipa fan black bridge out of saskatoon uh the swift current black bridges out of swift current well there i have completely screwed that up i just thought you know maybe i just want them to be out of saskatoon maybe i just want them to be like my neighbor and they can just like knock on the door and like hey john 
here's some beer. And I can be like, cool, neighbor that's a brewery. Could you, like, why? I don't know why you have your brewery in a residential area, but cool beans. I'm pretty sure. I think the city would probably have some zoning questions about that. But, Mm, you know. Probably. Probably. So we have a weird thing when it comes to us in our beers, as there always seems to be some kind of connection. It's like we have some kind of beer telepathy, telepathic (laughs) communication, or whatever the hell I'm talking about here. I'm not drinking the Uno, but I am drinking essentially the beer that inspired the Uno, which is the Black Ridge Hmm. Double IPA. Oh. Because actually the story is the Uno IPA is just a single version of the Black Ridge Double IPA. Right. So... I was looking around the store today at work, and I felt like something a little stronger today, a little uh, little malty, a little juicy. It's just a great all-around beer, and um, I thought, you know what, I haven't had one of these in a while. Let's uh, let's go forward and mix it up a little bit tonight. So uh, that's that's what happened there. And that, that's actually kind of cool with the beer telepathy we have, because, like, we don't text each other about... We text each other about a lot of sports things. Yes. But rarely do we ever text about beer, especially before the program. So it's just... Beer telepathy strikes again. Ooh, mind powers. Absolutely. And just so you know, yes, Glenn and the gang at Pile of Bones, our official sponsors, are fine with this. They they know the guys down at Swift Current, and uh, they love Blackbridge as much as we do. So uh, we're free still to drink whatever we want. Still love you, though, guys. Glenn, Pile of well, Bones. See, you guys are the best. See, and, that's why, and that is why Pile of Bones is such a great sponsor this podcast they know that we're beer lovers and football lovers and talking lovers and they let us they're not gonna sit there and say hey all you can drink is pile of bones i mean we drink a lot of pile of bones but that's that's a cool thing i gotta again tip my cap to those guys and uh gentle reminder of uh still waiting on my beer shipment yeah you'll, you'll get it don't worry perfect perfect now, speaking of getting it and not worrying, uh, we can't be saying that about the Saskatchewan Rough Riders right now and their practice. No. Did, like, a hurricane just blow through your basement there? Uh, no, I just exhaled deeply. Okay. Was that, like, a sigh about practice? or like, it, 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 it was. It was just, like, <laughs> it was a sigh of, I, I think the move is very cliche, but I'll let you describe what happened for maybe the listeners that don't know what happened it's almost a sigh of like okay guys like i feel like i feel like chris jones and co are maybe running out of moves and i feel like today was just another move but you go on to what happened and then i'll get into my thoughts on the matter so practice today was they're getting ready for the game thursday against hamilton as teams do and there was a point in time in practice where Chris Jones just had enough. He halted the whole thing, and as described by CJME's Ariels, there the riot act was read. Now, of course, what was actually said, either they couldn't hear or they probably weren't going to report, but regardless, the individual words weren't really that important. What mattered was the overall message, and we've seen this time and time again, and it seems like this has kind of been building. It's been an ongoing thing for a little bit. Uh, Brennan Labatt told reporters after the game, including Ariel, that it's, been, it's kind of been, you know, they've been on for a day, off for a day, on for a day. And he described the, the whole thing, like their practice reg- regiment, not Chris Jones's reaction. He called it, he said, quote, it's garbage. So, it, I mean, it's not, it's not the first time a coach has done this. It won't be the last time. But I, I think Chris Jones is clearly trying to send a message to his team right now after their play during games has kind of been how, like, they practice, where it's been good at times, bad at times, and that's just been reflected in their practice, clearly. But this goes back to 
training camp. From all accounts, from every practice that they've had, this has been a mostly veteran group that's kind of relaxed, maybe a little sloppy at times, maybe guys, you know, giving each other a hard time over dropping stuff. This is, this seems very... And I remember watching several times, several football coaches doing this as kind of a wake-up call. And, and I remember Corey Chamberlain doing it, you know, near near the season of his demise several times at training camp. It just, I don't know, it, it, it seems like the bye week was spent festering anger rather than solving problems for the team. And Daryl Davis wrote it on the website, on 3 Down Nation, that rather than going out and maybe addressing some of the offensive line depth or the defensive backs depth or some of those other positions we've talked to uh, talked about almost since training camp. It's like, okay, well, I didn't fix any of this, so I'm just going to robble, 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 and hope that they can fix from internally, fix this problem, fix the way the team is playing, heading out of a bye week. I mean, if you've been around a football team that returns from a bye week at any single level, things are definitely going to be sloppy. But that's a speech you have to the guys before the first practice. You know, not when you're in the middle of the week and things aren't quite going your way. Your last practice, I do believe, before they actually go and have, you know, a walkthrough in a hotel room uh, before Hamilton. I just, I think the move is cliche and it's a distraction from maybe, you know, some of the things that this team needs to fix. Uh, distraction might be the key word here. Maybe this was... Maybe Chris Jones saw this as an opportunity to change the narrative around his team a little bit, rather than today where they were, you know, there was no questions. You know, well, there might, there probably was questions about you know Deron Carter and the offensive line and all that, but it didn't become the story. It wasn't the story that all the beat reporters posted to their websites today. It was Chris Jones doing what he did at practice. So, I mean, he's calculated enough that maybe that's something that crossed his mind, and I, I think to a degree, what happened here for the while was. Chris Jones was hoping that his veter- his, the veterans on this team and this team would sort out these issues themselves. He's been often described as a player's coach, and so he doesn't need to stop practice every time something goes wrong to berate his players. So he was, he's, I feel like he was kind of hoping that these problems would maybe solve themselves internally, and he wouldn't have to get involved until he had to. And today just felt like, or Tuesday just felt like the day where he had to get involved and send that message heading into what is going to be a tough game in Hamilton. Yeah, certainly. Uh, I, I think you're right on the narrative point. Uh, I just, I, do you think maybe, and this is part of a greater discussion, that Chris Jones is maybe starting to feel the heat for the first time really in his professional coaching career north of the border? I mean... Could that be building? Could that be festering with him? Because let's face it, when they brought him on board, he was basically given a couple of years of carte blanche where you knew that, you know, he could do whatever he want. The team could finish however they want. But I'm always wondering if, if an aspect of this isn't Chris Jones spent a week realizing for the first time in a very, very long time his job could potentially be in trouble if this season, and, and again, we're talking about a 500 football team in the division where everybody's within. Well, the, the league, basically. Place. The whole league. Yeah. There's Calgary, there's Montreal, and there's everyone else. Exactly. But it just, something just seems amiss in Ryderville. And I think that Jones is maybe starting to feel the pressure, you know. Uh, 
I don't. Th- I remember when he first came to town, everything was generally positive and glowy about the whole new regime, and it seems like the shine and the luster has worn off a little bit. They're just, just the stories we're getting and the things we're seeing, like the Tuesday outburst. You think that maybe he's starting to feel, you know, it's like when you turn on your barbecue at first. It's cold at first. A little bit of heat starts rising. Next thing you know, sizzle, sizzle, sear, 700 degrees. I don't think it's at 700 degrees yet, but no, I no. think he's starting to feel a little bit of the heat coming from underneath for first time. I mean, as a coordinator, he never would have felt this kind of pressure. As a head coach in Edmonton, he was generally extremely successful. Mm-hmm. So is this his way of dealing with it, of deflecting? Of putting it back on the players, I don't know. I, I think that's a fair point, and you know, as I mean, well, he was a coordinator in Calgary, and he's a coordinator in Toronto. Which, especially mm-hmm. Toronto, the market is not what it is here. You're not in the fishbowl. You're not under scrutiny every single day. So, really, this whole Duran Carter on defense instead of offense scenario is really probably, at least in terms of the public eye. I'm sure in football circles, there's been plenty that he's had to deal with, and plenty of. Uh, circumstances that he's had to overcome but in terms of like football decisions that in terms of the public eye this drawn carter thing might be the biggest heat he's faced for a lot in the cfl at least i'm sure down in the south when he was working down there there's scrutiny probably over every single decision because that's the way it is down in the southern united states but Mm -hmm. you know i i think that's a fair point and there's there's right to be some heat on chris jones i think based on some of the decisions he's made and ultimately I think that this is why, uh, in the offseason, the team only gave him the one-year extension. He wasn't yes. going to be a lame-duck head coach, so it wasn't, okay, if things go wrong, you're 100% gone. There's still a chance you could be back next year. But this was very much, I think, a prove-it year for Chris Jones. They didn't necessarily have to win the Grey Cup, though I'm sure that was laid out as the expectation. There at least had to be the continued improvement that we've seen from year one to year two into now year three. So... Yeah, maybe he's feeling the heat a little bit, and coaches, I mean, you see it across all sports, coaches tend to get a little squirrely when the heat rises a little bit, and Mm -hmm. they tend to double down on the mistakes they keep making, which is kind of what we've seen through the last few weeks of the regular season, and Mm -hmm. it brings up the overall discussion of the roster management of this team and how, generally speaking, after bye weeks, you see teams come back with a renewed sense of energy, a renewed strategy and you know they look they do go back and as Glenn Suter of TSN likes to say you know they did some self-scouting they looked at what they're what they're doing well what they're doing wrong and adjust and I'm sure schematically and some different things uh, Chris Jones alluded to it today that yeah some things are going to be different but personal wise really they're not and that's kind of surprising so they have a guy on defense that they signed that can play DB but he's still not going to play well why did you sign him like what was that two three weeks ago now Shouldn't, yeah, that, be, was, shouldn't it, that be enough time to be able to play at least some man coverage at, at cornerback in the CFL? You you would think so, but uh, again, I think this all comes back to my rant, and I, I'll try not to talk about it too long, but I think the motivation is Jones wants Carter to succeed to prove that he can be a genius, and Carter wants to succeed because I'm sure that somebody down south has told them, we have zero interest in you as a receiver, but we believe you have the physical tools as a defensive back, and they're both sticking to their guns, and that's a big reason why he came back, and I've said it before, and that can be the only logical reason. Um, I know another move that, that was panned a little bit was the Eddie Steele move. Um, mm-hmm. You know, him practicing along offensive line, but again, the Canadian depth isn't quite there, and I do think having a defensive lineman 
that's dressed in a football game, versatile enough to play both sides of the ball potentially, is extremely valuable. Absolutely. You know, let, let, let's face it, on the game day roster, they're one, maybe two injuries away from getting really into desperation mode for the toughest position on the field to play. Not so even that many. I, one one injury in the school. Generally, they haven't been dressing backups. So Exactly. So I like the Eddie Steele practice move because, yes. again, there are no other viable options. And he's – and, again, I've never played along the offensive or defensive lines. No. And correct me. Feel free to correct me in the comments section, Twitter, whatever. I feel like switching sides on the line would be a little bit easier – then switching from receiver to defensive back. It, that's just me from what I perceive from watching football for many years. Again, I never had the opportunity to play O-line, D-line, but it just strikes me as something that could be done easier. That's why I kind of like the steel move, and, well, we know my thoughts on Deron Carter. Yeah, I, I think the Eddie Steele situation is far different than Deron Carter at DB and far different than changing the quarterback every three possessions. Yeah. it's it, Those are two, two very different scenarios because we've seen – Especially it was a couple of years ago in Calgary where they had like 12 offensive linemen injured. And they had <laughs> yeah. guys on, they had defensive linemen move over and their offensive line kept playing well. So I think Eddie Steele is capable of doing that. And he's played some offensive line in the past, not in the CFL, but he's done a little bit apparently in, in his football life. So it's not completely foreign to him. And I, I think it's just, it's a different speed down there. It's a different mindset. And I think you can get that. You're, you know, if you're... Going from receiver to DB, you suddenly have to learn to like just the basics of like running backwards. That's not yeah. really a thing. You, okay, you have to start walking backwards in, as an offensive lineman, but it's a lot easier to learn to walk backwards than to run backwards. Yeah. Again, out to lunch, I could be completely wrong. I've also never played offensive line. So that's that to me, that's a completely different scenario. And one that I will give credit for Chris Jones for number one, I still think there should be an extra natural offensive lineman on the roster. But. Yeah. If you have have a guy like Eddie Steele who can fill in for Zach Evans if something happens or fill in for an offensive lineman if something happens, considering how, how smaller the CFL roster is compared to an NFL roster and NCAA roster, then that's a 100% good move, and I have no problems there. And to me, and it's a discussion that's come up on Twitter a little bit, I saw someone ask the question to Herb Zerkowski of the Montreal Gazette. And so I'm just bringing mm-hmm. this on you right now, John, because it just came to my mind. Why are the scratches still a thing? Like, I don't know. Like so that you dress a forty-six man roster, two guys for some reason get scratched. It used to be four, which was absurd. You're down to forty-two for a game, so now it's forty-four. You scratch two guys, they still get a game check for that game. Why not just let all forty-six guys dress? You know? I I have no idea in the slightest, and it's never made a lick of sense to me. I mean, it's not quite as bad as the National Lacrosse League where they scratch one guy. <laughs> off their game day roster but it just you're right there's no there's no justification for it it's not like like i understand at some lower levels of football uh for example in the canadian junior football league you have to you're only allowed to travel so many players to not give teams with more money an unfair advantage right yeah, i mean that makes sense but in this day and age in the cfl everybody is traveling with the exact same guys they're making the trip anyways no i'm i'm absolutely with you it's it's one of those things that that makes no sense i mean those guys count against the cap i mean you'd think the pa would want their guys playing you think like it just it seems like a no-brainer i mean it, it just like making quarterbacks count towards the ratio seems like a no-brainer um talking about things that we do did like so far that the riders have done though 
And I said this when I uh, again to drop this when I was on CTV here in Saskatoon earlier this week. Humble brag. I, yeah, humble brag, of course. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, one thing I did like, and I'm almost wondering if this isn't going to, you know, if this isn't the team maybe making the decision that okay, it's it's time to pick a guy going forward. Is the fact that basically Sunday was day one of practice, and it was Bridges starting. There was no, I mean, all the rhetoric is still the rotation could continue, but, you know, we're told on Sunday for a Thursday game who the starting quarterback could be. Now, me being optimistic, I'm hoping this means that they're going to ride or die with Brandon Bridge a little bit. Let the guy figure it out. You know, let him see a game. Let him play a game. But uh, maybe I'm just being, maybe I'm I'm just being optimistic because I think whether it's Bridge or whether it's Watford, I think one of those guys needs to be the guy moving forward. And I like the fact that the as early as they could, they said, you're the guy. Yeah. Well, I believe Chris Jones did that last week as well. Pretty much his first availability after game day. I think he said that last, not last week, the week before, after the last game. So that's to be taken as is. Um, so Right. That's kind of our talk about the Riders this week because, I mean, it was a bye week and there wasn't a whole lot to talk about. But the conversation about them does kind of consider continue a little bit because last time they played was on Thursday Night Football. Mm-hmm. Two weeks later, they're playing on Thursday Night Football again, on the mm-hmm. road this time though, against the same team. Now, it's an interesting little quirk in the schedule and it's the one time that maybe Thursday Night Football works out for teams because for the first time in a number of years, we have multiple teams on a bye week at the same time. For the last few right. years, it was... One team was on a bye every week, because I, I remember back when there was eight teams in the league, they would have half the league have a bye one week and the other half the other week, and that was their buys for the year. So yep. it, was, it, was, it was interesting to see three teams have a bye last week, and the same two teams meet on Thursday Night Football in two of the last three weeks. Now, this isn't a question about you know how the schedule is working, because I think the extra week and the extra bye week is good for the players and good for the league. But my question to you, John, is... Do you care about Thursday Night Football? Is Thursday Night Football go-to television that the CFL and TSN is hoping to create? Because I think a number of years ago, they took a leap of faith with Friday Night Football. Yeah. And this was back before TSN was even the exclusive rights holder. They made that, that, they made that TSN's night, and that was the go-to night eventually for CFL football. And you could make the argument that maybe that decision for Friday Night Football eventually landed TSN the exclusive rights for how good of a job they did with that broadcast and how right. it became the thing. So now they're trying to push Thursday night. And this isn't a question about the broadcast. I, I, want, to apl- I want to get this clear right now. I think TSN, the league and everything, whether it actually works or not is yet to be seen. It's far too early to tell. But the formatical change they've made with Thursday night football, I applaud them for trying something to get some yes. people interested. The concert series has been interesting and fun. Kate Burness is amazing, and she should be on more stuff on TSN regardless. 100%. And, I mean, Rod Smith doing some games on play-by-play is always great. So they've made some good changes there. And we'll see whether that works. The sample size is far too small at this point to say if it'll turn into rating success. I just wonder if Thursday night is a night for football in general because, you know, I've seen the, we've seen people in Saskatchewan complain about it. I've seen fans of other teams across the league after they've hosted a Thursday night football game say, well, I'm glad we're done with that now. Because even Ottawa, who sold out essentially every game since they've come back into the CFL, had struggles selling out their Thursday night football game. So I just, I just wonder if... Why are we continu- why is this continuing to be forced to be a thing? I understand I, it's I, going to happen sometimes because that's the way the CFL schedule has always worked, but right. does it need to be a mainstay every single week? I don't think so. 
Um, I would agree with you on on every single count. And again, speaking from my limited experience, I know here in Saskatchewan, obviously, you're not going to travel from Lloyd Minster. Uh, I mean, you got to take two if you if you're coming from Lloyd Minster, hell, even parts of Saskatoon, PA, as people do in this province for a Thursday night home game. You're looking at two days off. Yeah, you're looking at taking the Thursday off of work, the Friday off of work. Do you really want to burn two, day, two holiday days in the middle of summer to, you know, drive down to Regina, Winnipeg? It's a logistical nightmare to get to games. Everybody has to park and ride. There's nowhere to park unless you want to, like my buddy Neely, hike 20 minutes from a superstore parking lot every <laughs> single game. Um, I just find myself, and and this is one thing I don't know if the league really accounts for, but it seems like I know my business being, you know, the automotive business. I know here in Saskatoon. Every single dealership is open late on Thursday till nine o'clock, right? I know a lot of the insurance agents we deal with are open until nine o'clock. It seems to me like Thursday night has kind of become the token for retail. We're open late night. You know, that's kind of the first night. A lot of malls are open late. Uh, I mean, it's commonplace across all of Canada for car dealers to be open late and some subsequent industries. I mean, yeah, your bars and stuff like that. I just Thursday night, it's one of those things that sneaks up on me. Mm -hmm. You know, like I'll make a plan on a Friday night to get together friends, family, whatever, to watch a Ryder game, a Bomber game. Same with Saturday. You know, if you've got a Saturday off, it's like, hey, game's at 7. Let's make our plans kind of around that. Let's have a good time, so on and so forth. But Thursday night's one of those things. It's like, oh, it, yeah, that's that's on, isn't it? Huh. I guess I should tune it on. It just, I don't know. It just doesn't seem to fit. It doesn't seem to fit in the NFL. On top of that, it's really mucking with the schedules. You know, you got some players that are, playing on Sunday that on Thursday it's happening on a regular basis I miss the Friday night football consistent doubleheader mm-hmm. uh, that should be a thing I like Saturday games I think Sunday afternoon games should be a regular thing in the summer here in Canada especially if you want to start bringing in that real young generation of fans uh, again I get it when the NFL season launches you want to stay away from Sundays as often as you can but like even myself I want to take my two-and-a-half-year-old son to a Ryder game. So I got looking. I've made this decision a couple weeks ago that he's old enough to go. And there's only one Sunday home game, because, again, I work Saturdays, that I can potentially take him to. And I am happy to say, yeah, I'll be going to the Sunday, August the 19th against Calgary. But for a lot of young families, Thursday night doesn't work. For people that want to go out and just drink beer and have a good time, Thursday night doesn't work. For people that have to work, Thursday night doesn't work. As a whole, Thursday night on the schedule does not work, and I echo all your sentiments on the broadcast. What Kate Burness has brought as a panel host is fun. It's that non-serious kind of like, you know, she brings enough credibility to be serious. She can have a great football discussion, but she knows to make the broadcast fun. Rod Smith is a play-by-play guy. Wow, he is good. He is really good. And they're doing so many good things with the broadcast and i think it's going to be a shame that you know the whole concept is going to be hurt by the day of the week it's on and i am strongly against thursday night football i think it needs to go away in a hurry yeah and i i think it's it's reflecting in that the ratings uh, last week okay it was a, a ratings bonanza but that's because the riders won the game so saskatchewan tuned in yeah um the ratings haven't been great no one's really knocking down the door to go to games and so yeah it just it just as you said, it sneaks up on you, and I, I miss a lot of games, too, because of work and other commitments that I generally have on Thursday nights, and 
Yeah. And I, I there, there is the side of me that sees, says all that, but maybe, maybe I'm being too much of a football fan and not looking at the other side because, and I made this point on Twitter as to some other people when the new kind of format on Thursdays launched this year was the idea, okay, if what they're essentially targeting with this broadcast is college and university kids, right? Yes. And I remember when I was in college and university, Thursday night was the night to go out and have fun and forget the end of the night, right? Yes. So in that, the- in, in that regard, the theory makes sense. I just wonder, because this is still a fairly gate-driven league, if the balance has swung too far the other way in trying to appease that crowd rather than keeping who you have happy while drawing in that party crowd. Because I think, uh, you, I, th- can, I think you can still get that crowd on a Friday or a Saturday. Oh, 100%, 100% you can. I think if you took that broadcast and that panel and everything in the concert series and everything you're trying to do to bring in the younger demographic on Thursday night and moved it to Friday in some capacity, whether it's just for the early game, whether you bring in the other panel for the late game, I know logistical nightmares and so on and so forth, or you make it Saturday night football and, and see, I've always thought, and this is just me as an aside, I've thought that you know, you sports needs to get out of the Sportsnet deal, partner up with TSN. And I've always thought if you could do two CFL games on Friday night, TSN has a U sports broadcast followed by a fun Saturday night broadcast and wrap up your week with a Sunday game. That is the way football should be broadcast in this country. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think that that is it. That makes perfect logical sense. I mean, we've had the U sports discussion on this podcast before. And I, I, just, I just think overall Thursday night, and this isn't a slam on the CFL. This isn't a, this isn't a slam on CFL fans. This is a, a problem across football, because if you look down South, there's an NCAA, ga- a double NCAA game on Thursday nights, but it's between, you know, Woodsy's Woodsy of CJME's favorite school, middle Utah state and some other school <laughs> that no one's ever heard of. I mean, yeah. they're, they're generally fun football games. I watched, I tend to watch it sometimes because I'm a football nut and those games tend to be weird and wacky. And that's why I love them. But yeah. generally speaking, no one watches them. There's a night football in the NFL when they do it. There's three types of people who watch that game. Number one, reluctant fans of those teams who say, sigh, we'll watch because it's our team, but we still don't really like Thursday Night Football. Number yeah. two, the, de- the degenerate gamblers, because they'll put money on anything, so yes, they will watch this football game. And number three are the fantasy freaks. Now, in the CFL, gambling and fantasy are there, but they're not really there to the same level in the NFL, so you've already kind of canceled that out a little bit as a core people that are watching this game. All you have are the reluctant fans. And so it just it just hasn't really, I think, to this point, and we've had a few years of Thursday Night Football to talk about it now, it just it just hasn't really caught on. And there's a player yeah. safety issue to this, too, because you touched on it as well. This is a rare, rare phenomenon this week where both teams playing on Thursday night have had two weeks off before this game. So that's great. It should hope, it probably be a little sloppy at first, but we know that these guys are properly rested coming into this game. And I think... And I've talked about this with some friends about the CFL versus the NFL. And an issue that has always plagued this league has been the inconsistent scheduling and how you could have as many as like eight days off between games or have as yeah. little as like four days off in between games. And how we think that leads to maybe a few more injuries in the CFL compared to the NFL. Because in the NFL, you have maybe one, one Thursday night game and maybe a couple Monday nighters a year depending on what team you are like if you're a popular team that people watch that's generally what you're looking at if you're a team that no one watches you're gonna play every sunday and you're fine yeah so for the most part you're let's say roughly 80 percent of your schedule you know you're going to be playing on sunday 
you know you have the proper rest and different... You have your ritual every single week that you go through. In the CFL, you don't have that. And I understand that they're yes. not going to play all four games on the same day. That's just, that's fine. But you've said it, and I think we've all said it, and everyone said it, and I'm willing to be flexible to a degree because I understand stadium availability, blah, 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 that they can't play a doubleheader on every single Friday and Saturday. No, But in right. a perfect world, that should be the bulk of the schedule. Let's forget Thursdays. And as much as we can outside of Montreal late in the season, because for some reason they don't want the Alouettes playing on, on McGill during school hours or something, get rid of Sundays as well. Let's just play double headers on Fridays and Saturdays. Yeah, as as you said, as much as you can. Yeah, and but I mean, again, well, I applaud the league for trying something different. I just, I just don't, I just, I don't think it's going to work. The numbers are saying it doesn't work. But if they went back to double headers, then you know I'd have to prepare my liver and who knows if i'd survive well we already saw what happened to you after uh one week away so uh double headers might be a bit much it's true i'm too soft save big on brunch for mom all in the kroger app Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.